0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam Jabber, and this is the Out of Podcast. We have a great episode for you today. I guess it's an okay episode. It's really just me talking about the newest gear coming out in 2024. So I, uh, I'm i not going to give too long of an intro here. Obviously, check out everything we have going on on the YouTube. On the YouTubes? YouTube? On our YouTube page, just at out of collective uh, for all the gear stuff. We also just released a cooking video, which... I don't really know why we did, but we did it. So you can watch us try to cook. You can listen to me talk about the gear and uh, and so much more. We've got a lot of stuff dropping, project-based stuff dropping over the next few weeks. So keep an eye out for that. But before we jump in episodes, a few quick things from our sponsors at Deuter. It is Deuter, not Deuter. And I have to tell you, this is the best bag I've used in my life as far as the touring bag goes the freerider 20 or freerider 34 plus uh is the bag i've been using the thing crushes it it is the volume that you get out of the 34 plus is crazy the amount of space that is in the bag only matters if it's utilized correctly and i think that in this particular bag you there's a spot for everything everything's organized everything's easy access everything's very intuitive So even if you're not being very intuitive when you're packing or when you're thinking about stuff on the trail, this is a great option going forward. Uh, So go to deuter.com, just kidding, it's deuter.com, deuter.com, D-E-U-T-E-R, and get yourself a new pack today or check them out at your local retailer. We also have our friends at Alpine Vans, the ultimate adventure van is made by Alpine. Todd and the Alpine Vans crew have one goal and that goal is to provide you with the best outdoor travel experience via your adventure van. They're all the Mercedes builds. They're all super nice. They're all dialed and they're all tested. They're tested not only by Todd and his team. And I mean, Todd's a skier, Todd's a mountain biker. So he goes and he uses these things, but also tested by Cody Townsend as well as a bunch of other guides and pros that have real feedback to help make these things better. So, if you'd like to check out a new van, go to alpinevans.com. They've got some used, some pre-owned ones on sale as well, including the one that I took out a few months ago. So, alpinevans.com or hit up Todd at alpinevans.com. On to the show. We have a very special episode for you today where we talk about gear. We talk about all the new gear for... 2024, 2023, 2024, whatever we're calling it now, the years don't actually make any sense if you haven't been paying attention in the ski world for the last, uh, basically (laughs) the last end of time uh, since the beginning of the ski industry, it just doesn't seem to make any sense, I mean cars do the same thing, so I get, we know how it goes, anyway. Uh, Not a huge year for new skis, Uh, there are some really important select few that we'll go over at the end, kind of go over some of the BOA boot stuff, my actual opinions on this stuff and what I think is going to happen as we start to see things develop over the next few years. Obviously, newer system in ski boots, especially with the new H1 Plus BOA system, uh, totally different than traditional ones, so we'll get into that at the end. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to just talk quickly about some of the brands that we're going to be talking about, so you know, before we jump into the ski section, we're going to be talking about specifically the Elan Playmaker, uh, which is a new ski from Elan. We will talk about the new Blizzard Rustler, which is probably the most impactful new ski of twenty twenty four. It's the biggest change. It's the ski that it, it, it's been a top seller for shops across country for for the brand itself and. It's just been it's been one of my favorite skis for a long time, and they finally changed it. Uh, and we'll talk about whether that's good or bad. Uh, we also will talk about the new Fisher Transalp, uh, specifically the 105 CTI. We'll talk about what changed in the series overall. We'll talk about why the changes were necessary. We'll also talk about the new Night Ranger that is going to come out uh, in super secret in the fall, but uh, we won't dive into that too, too much. Uh, so first, Elon Playmaker, right? I think everybody knows Elan as a ski company that makes solid all-mountain stuff, especially with the intro to the Ripstick. I think the Ripstick was a great ski uh, at the time. It still is a great ski. It's something that they use to kind of muscle their way into that true all-mountain category. It is really interesting because they actually had the benefit of taking on some of the stuff that was out, like that was happening, right? When that ski came out, there was the Nordic Enforcer that was like peak popularity as well as the Navigator series from them that kind of took hold of that same shape. In that category, there was also like skis like the Solomon QST at the time. There was Blizzard had the Brahma Bonafide series that was crushing. So it was very clear that that mid-waisted kind of do everything ski was where the industry was trending in terms of being able to sell real units. I think we've always known that that was a good category since the introduction of rocker. We've seen more and more brands like kind of put their sole focus on that category and kind of lean away from what had been done in the past in terms of just getting on. Everybody's on carving skis, right? Everybody, if you're just skiing groomers every once in a while, you go in the trees, you're probably on something less than an 85 underfoot. That was the norm for a long time unless you're skiing powder then you got something wider you get 100 105 or bigger right they've always had huge pow skis um since mid 2000s so uh this category that all mountain category is really the cream of the crop it's the most flooded it is the most crowded when you talk about product that matters to the end consumer and that matters to the brand so they broke in with the Ripstick, lighter weight, very fun, super easy to turn. Still left and right specific, which <clears throat> I still don't really think I'm buying. Uh, they do ski different if you swap them, but I, I don't necessarily buy the benefit of having a left and a right ski um, that Alon pushes. But I digress. The Ripstick was great. Fast forward to 23, 24, we now have the Playmaker. Playmaker is Elan's all-mountain freestyle ski. It is not, by their definition, a park ski, but it certainly can be used as such. It certainly has a park ski feel uh, to an extent. It's soft, it's playful, uh, and it's very unlike Elan. It's not the ski that I expected to see from them. It is the ski that we got, and I'm really happy that we got it because it's a blast. I gotta tell you, like one of my fo- one of my most fun days of skiing this season has been on that ski. Light snow down, leftover pow, just kind of like screwing around on the hill with a buddy. That was such a fun and playful ski to be on, and it was the right ski for pretty much whatever I felt like doing. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, if you wanted to just rip groomers all day. It can certainly handle that. It's not, that's probably the weakest point of that ski, especially in the size, like I have it in a 180 and I actually feel that that ski is really short. Like I would rather that ski in a 188, which I usually don't say. I usually like a smaller ski. It it helps it turn easier. It helps me feel like I'm more in control. It gives me more confidence. Um, So I was surprised to feel that the 180 was short. I really, I've been pushing this since... The beginning of the show, but I, I really think every five cm would be a great way for a brand to push their hottest ski. Like if we know a ski is going to sell well because brands know ahead of time whether their ski is going to sell well. Obviously, they don't know if it's going to be like an industry changer or game changer, as everybody likes to say in their marketing emails. But we do know that it's going to sell. So I don't. I, I don't understand why skis like that you don't double down on and you can really solidify a customer. And honestly, you could sell a lot of customers based on the fact that it is pretty much the exact size that they're looking for. I realize this adds, you know, eight more SKUs or something like that, depending on where we do it. But for the popular sizes, like we're talking 150 to 185, I think that those sizes would be pretty easy to make and sell, especially in a popular model. Biggest thing I noticed with this ski, with the Playmaker, is how soft the tail is. I haven't skied a ski that has that buttery of a tail in quite a while. Um, The closest thing that I can think of right now is the 1,000 skis. I was on the powder ski last year and that thing was super, super soft, super noodly, as you could expect from a ski tailored by the bunch gang what this ski has that this one doesn't is it has that super soft tail it's got a slightly stiffer nose and it actually holds an edge pretty exceptionally well and i've been i've been really impressed with it i think you can expect durability out of a ski like this coming out of that elan factory which is a world-class factory makes a ton of skis for a ton of different brands it it makes a lot of sense for them to kind of work their way into the all-mountain freestyle category with a ski like this because it does differentiate what is available on the market. There's not many other twins that ski like this. So super impressed, super impressed with what Alon has made in this Playmaker series. There will be other widths available, but right now you're just seeing people float around on the 101 because, in my opinion, it is the best-looking ski Alon has made. It is, like, all-white, pink highlights pink sidewalls it just stands out it looks good i actually really like somebody said i think it was trace cook said he didn't like the white skis because he loses depth perception and i could see that argument but i really like the color on this particular ski i think especially if you're trying to edge into a market it's it's a really interesting way to go about it because you you try to align yourself with an audience that is looking for a ski like that. And I don't think it's necessarily a park crew. I think this ski is for people who just want to have something fun, right? Maybe they used to ski park. Maybe they wanted to ski park, but aren't super confident in it. And they mostly ski all mountain, but want to screw around every once in a while, or even just looking for something they can bash on in the woods. This is a really good option. And I'm really happy that Elan made it. Um, We'll jump into some of the other ones that are available now. The Rosie Sender Free 110 is getting a ton of play right now, not just by the Rosie team, but by people everywhere. Super fun, floaty. Rossi's even talking about on their website that it's you can hit rails on 110 underfoot park ski, and they're totally comfortable with that, and I think that that's really cool. It's I don't like the graphic. I think it's one of the uglier skis I've seen, but I am a big fan of the fact that they are kind of trying to double down on this sender series and make it a little more fun. Rossi has really lost their way, in my eyes at least, after the Soul 7 years, especially the last couple years of Soul 7, Sin 7, when they started to make it lighter and more brittle and then just kind of got even squirrelier than it was before. This is starting to bring them back into that all-mountain, like kind of, for lack of a better term, sender-style ski Obviously, obviously they've had the black ops series they've had the sender series before i i think that black ops 118 from a few years ago was one of the athletes favorite skis it was one of my, i was super impressed with that ski just the regular black ops and i think that there's something really good that could be done with this sender lineup i just don't know if rosie has the same idea of how they want their line to be organized going forward, right? Like I think they have to figure out where they want to be. If they want people to just buy the experiences because, you know, it fits into a certain category, that's cool. But I think that ski sucks. I think it is one of the more boring skis that has existed, period. I don't enjoy it. I don't – it's not something I would like to push um, in the ski shop. It's – if you just want something that you can rely on and have dependable and just make your turns and just have a day, I think it's fine. It's skis. It's certainly a ski, and it won't punish you. I just don't think it's very fun. I don't think it's very exciting. I, I don't see a huge benefit in that ski, generally speaking. So I'm happy to see the Center Series doing well. I'm happy to see it getting some natural hype as well as the athletes getting behind it. Um, I talked to Parker White, and he was saying he's actually really – happy with the way that this ski came out um tbd on how he feels on the graphic doesn't seem very parker whitey but it is very cool to see a ski like that getting some press and hopefully rosie leans into that stuff a little more going forward um there's a lot going on in skis overall like over the last two years but like i said it's kind of a kind of a may year for new skis right all the stories you're see- seeing even what we're posting is about boa stuff you're seeing that more and more every single day and i think it's because it draws attention people have very polarizing opinions on what that is for one of the things that i think changed and is kind of going under the radar because it's for a specific type of skier is the new Transalp cti fisher's had the Transalp series in the line for as long as I can remember. Same thing with the Hannibal series. Transalp was like 86 width, up to a 90 width, um, and maybe even a little, little smaller on the RC versions. It was a really good ski. It was very brittle, very light, but it was dependable. Like I, I beat the shit out of my 86s a few years ago, and I was shocked that they were still sellable. It that part was really impressive to me that they held up. The screw retention was really good. The bases took a whack. The top sheets looked like they're in mint condition. I probably skied them 50 days before I moved them on. Uh, I, it seriously looked like I had hardly done anything on them. So we know durability is really good on those skis. Hannibal was one of the more questionable skis for me in the lineup. I really liked it. It was, it was fun, but it always felt very much like a touring ski, like a lightweight, kind of snappy kind of brittle feeling ski I keep using the word brittle and if you know like just think of brownie brittle think of eating a i don't know think of eating a bunch of chips like can you grab them and everything crumbles in your hands kind of right away that's kind of what it felt like it felt a little shaky not super confidence inspiring when there was snow down hannibal 106 was a blast but kind of has to be consistent it i had a hard time kind of figuring out where the sweet spot was on that ski for me the new CTI series is a huge leap forward uh, the 105 is what I've been spending most of my time on it they actually added Tetanol they added a Tetanol t- layer and they used that shape TI function that they've been using in the Ranger series they just added it to the series of ski that is now the TransALP, right so trans goes from like an 84 all the way up to the 105. It's basically taking the place of both both the old Transalp and the Hannibal, which is good. I, I never thought that those two skis should have been separate. They're too similar. They're really for the same type of person. They're looking, they're for someone that's looking for a dedicated touring ski. So anyway, they added metal, they added that Tetanol layer, um, basically Tetanol stringers uh, and carbon to the ski. It skis with so much confidence now. I would ski that ski on the resort and feel like i wasn't on the wrong tool there were plenty of people when we were at ranger days in austria skiing that ski as the resort ski and these guys have the option to ski the ranger and plenty of them were still skiing on a trans out which to me speaks volumes to the way that the ski is performing it's a little heavier it's like 1500 grams in that particular ski now uh for reference the ranger's like 1900 i think it's Getting closer, the Fisher line in general is getting tighter and tighter. Like they're kind of figuring out who the customer is and they're figuring out that most people now kind of want to be able to ski everything. And they want to be able to take a ski like a trans ski it 20 days in the backcountry and take it five to the resort and not have to have a second pair of skis. Those skiers do exist. They also are fully aware that people are sending in the backcountry, right? Like people are actually pushing themselves, they're skiing hard lines, they're skiing all the time. This, for my money, the 105 in particular, fits in the same category as like a Hustle from Blizzard. This is ten times, in my opinion, the ski of a Hustle. The Hustle is basically a Rustler without the metal, um, and it skis really well. Like this is that's the comparable ski that I can think of, or a QST. In terms of weight, they're very similar. Super impressed with how well this thing performs in mixed snow, in soft snow, in schwacky stuff and even on groomers. So I think they they hit it out of the park. You can see Brody Levin skiing on that narrower version of it. Um, Looks like he's having a ball. I have been super impressed with the 105, but I, I think this is a ski to watch out for as we head into the fall. So if you're looking for a new touring ski, there certainly will be Trans Alps from past seasons and Hannibal's on sale everywhere. So if you're looking for something cheaper, honestly, it's a great time to go clear out a shop's inventory. This time of year in particular you can find deals all over the place on those skis but if you're looking for something that actually is going to be significantly different like if you're an old Transalp user if you're an old hannibal user even if you were skiing on a zero g from blizzard which is which was the gold standard for a touring ski i think this is now taking it to the next level so i hope people get on it and i hope people really enjoy it because i've i've had a ball on it it's been the most welcome change to me that i've seen in a while i i want to touch on real quick the fact that fisher is making a park ski um, so we can confirm that for 2024 um so you'll see it hit shops probably january of 2024 it is softer than a ranger it is still pretty stiff like it's still a pretty burly park ski like it's not a this is not a noodle this is something more fun, little softer tip and tail, but super, like it's for the athletes, for the athlete that's going to push themselves. It's for somebody, especially the 96, is going to be for people that are doing comps. Um, the 104 is super impressive as well. I love the graphic on the one that's getting released early season, so keep an eye out for that thing. Um, Luca from the Fisher team has been riding that thing for quite a while naked rips so it's nice to see some athletes getting behind that night ranger series or nightstick series forget which one they're calling it for where they landed but i think it's night ranger i i'm happy to see fisher going this direction because the old nightstick was like the water park ski it was like the i'm gonna beat the shit out of this ski on rails i'm gonna do this in a comp like that's what everybody was on for a little while there because everybody knew they could count on that durability and it wouldn't completely crack down. I think that's a problem. I think I know that's a problem in park skis where everything just gets destroyed so rapidly, especially for parents buying your kid a ski, 15 year old in a development program or, you know, at an academy program. You want something you're not going to buy three, four times in a season. And I think that skis like the Elon Playmaker that I mentioned earlier maybe not 20 enough the Ranger is a dedicated twin it's super durable it's made in the same factory it is something that you can depend on and actually plan on keeping for quite a while um, and i gotta tell you it's skis really good too so hyped on that ski i'm glad the fisher went that direction biggest change in 2023-24 and they're out now is the blizzard rustler series this was a series of ski that i actually included earlier in the year in a youtube video that we did talking about the three best skis like if i could pick three skis for anybody you know i'm blindfolded and i'm just gonna i have no idea how you ski after an intermediate level what do you ski on right the rustler was one of those choices the rustler 10 in particular i i think it's such a it's such a good ski for opening up doors for skiers, I think it's so much fun. It's playful, but it's got that stability at speed. The only thing I really ever heard people talking about and complaining about was the fact that it was a little floppy in the tip, but that's what it's for, right? They make another ski completely adjacent to the Rustler series in like the modified Brahma Kochi series. So they needed something different so that they could kind of section off their customer a little bit right if you're staying grounded you want something aggressive but wider for the for the softer days like bonafide's a great choice you know and years ago it was like the best selling ski in the world those days have passed rustler at least in my shop outsells brahma bonafide and i believe that to be the case across the country at this point it is just such a such a fun ski and an enjoyable ski to go on. You don't have to know where you're skiing on the hill, what the conditions are like. You can take that thing out with confidence. Rumple is a proud partner of the out of Bounds podcast. And if you are looking for the most comfortable blankets, the most packable blankets and the best looking blankets on the market, Rumple has got you covered. I couldn't be thr- more thrilled to, re-up on this partnership because it's actually a product that i use all the time i have one for my house i have one for my car and i even bring the everywhere towel to the gym with me like it's like my it's my gym towel. towel it's what's a towel it's my gym towel it's great because it doesn't smell super bad even when i smell super bad it's easy to clean you can just rinse it right off and uh it basically just lives in my gym bag obviously machine washable all that good stuff. But if you're just looking for something to give yourself a good dry off, post-gym sesh, this is a great product. If you're outside, this is, a, this is a must-have for the mountain biker in your life. If you are that mountain biker in your life, then get one for yourself. Go to Rumpel.com and check out everything that Rumpel has to offer today. The new Rustler is everything that the old Rustler was, now just with a slightly stiffer tip right and tail. There's metal on the outside, like an outline, essentially, of that ski through the tip profile. So it actually keeps the tip weighted a little more. It gives you a little more power. And I think that did a few things. One, it pleased people like me because we've been begging for a change to the wrestler over the last couple of seasons, an update, if you will. You know, they've updated graphics, obviously, top sheet material, but no change to the ski in five or six years. Or whatever my only issue with the new one is it's almost too much right it's like everybody's oh this is what we wanted this is what we wanted and now we're like ah did we want this the new rustler is really great it's aggressive in comparison to the old one so my only worry and for me personally like i like skiing groomers i think groomers are a blast i think it mixed condition snow to have something super stable is great I actually have a lot of confidence in this ski and personally, I'm a huge fan. I do wonder if it's now eliminating some of that intermediate user group that was buying that ski before. Where do those people sit now? Are they gonna enjoy the ski the same way that they enjoyed the old one or might've enjoyed the old one? I don't know. The old one was a little easier to turn, had a little slower top speed so from an accessibility perspective, is it better? Here's my my thought, I guess. I think they're gonna sell less units of the newer ski overall. I think you're now bringing your, your customer really tight together. I think that the Bonafide Brahma series needs a substantial change if we're gonna keep this thing rolling this way because they're too close together right now the ski actually got a little lighter which is surprising at least according to the old stat that I could find on the way it was like 2000 grams in a 180 rustler 10 now it's 1850 or something so it actually has gotten a little lighter but it definitely skis more aggressive than it did in the past so worth noting worth having the conversation I also wish that the men's ones, I'm honestly not a huge fan of the graphics. I feel like they could have done a little better job, but it's not bad. I think it's sellable. It's very safe. It's very Blizzard, at least current Blizzard. The I wish there was a narrower one. I wish there was an 80, 85. I wish there was something a little softer in that category because I think if they expanded that category a little more beyond 9, 10, 11, there could have been more options to sell to that more intermediate level customer, I just think a softer variation, more playful variation, similar to what they used to do with like the Blizzard Bushwhacker. You know, when Brahma Bonafide first came out, whatever, 10 years ago, there was this ski called the Bushwhacker. It was softer, same width as a Brahma, just no metal, snappy, it was fun. He might say, Adam, what about what about a Hustle? A Hustle the same width as, a Hustle 9 is the same width as a Rustler 9. And it's still not a super soft ski. It's got that flat tail. It's not the easiest ski in the world to ski on, even though there's no metal. So I don't think it's the right ski for that intermediate level consumer. And then you're talking about a ski that's $799. I'd rather see a $599 Rustler in an 8 width, whatever that is, 85, 86, something like that, 88 even, and have the lineup be a little more accessible to people because I think the Rustler Nine was a really good, and the Rustler Ten was a really good entry point for people in years past to get into a slightly wider ski and make it seem fun and lively and light. Not that the old the new one isn't lively; it's just it is stiffer, right? There is a there's almost a limiter at the bottom end of the speed where, like, if you're just cruising around on a green or a blue and you're going kind of slow, and I don't think it that's not where that ski performs the best. There's a lot that can be said about this category. I just, I wanna see Blizzard make some more skis that are a little more mass market when it comes to those lower widths, whether it's a 90 or an 85, there is still a place in ski sales for that kind of stuff. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with ski stuff right now. There's not a ton of new. I feel like we've we've talked about pretty much everything. There is a new Candide ski coming out. We're not going to talk about that now. Um, yeah, we know who's making Candide skis. And that's uh, that's our secret to keep for right now. One of the, we'll talk about a couple things first. Nordica has a new unlimited series of boots different buckle system than in years past, much improved walk mode. If if there was a most improved award for product, this would get the most improved award over the old Strider. The old Strider was a piece of garbage. It was heavy, it was clunky, and Nordica just kind of laid on it like, we're a company for downhill skiers. Like, okay, but then you made the Nordica Unlimited Series, Enforcer Unlimited Series, and you didn't really have a boot for it. Strider was not the right boot. Now... You have this Unlimited series that's light, skis well and it's clean looking. The old Strider was bulbous. This is like simple, clean looking and the walk mechanism on the old Strider was the worst. What was even the point of putting one on there? Just make a regular boot and throw pins in them if you're going to do that. The new Unlimited is clean. The walk mode is exceptional. It looks durable. A bunch of people that have been on that boot and skiing that boot consistently and they're all huge fans, genuinely, um, whether they're inside or outside the company. I think the buckle on the lower, which is like a cable actuated, like a cable buckle system, I'm not sure I'd love, but I definitely don't hate it. I I wonder if you, if you struggle with volume on the lower part of your foot, and if you struggle feeling like your boot's tight enough. I don't know if that's a great fix, but it is comfortable, it is light, it does look cool. I think all that is a big win. So now we'll talk about the main story of 2023-2024 when it comes to product. Boa boots, okay? There are four companies that have adapted Boa into their into their offering, five models, and they basically for me, rank all over the place in terms of how they fit and how the BOA has been applied. Obviously, we'll talk about the one that I've talked about the most first, because I think people know this, but it gives some good context to where some brands are putting their money in terms of BOA. Fisher has the new RC4 uh, Pro, which comes with a BOA system. It also comes with a ZipFit liner, and it is the highest price point all-mountain boot of the bigger brands that exists it is thousand how do you even say that 1050 it is beautiful like the boot looks exceptionally I I, like it looks exceptional i think it fits phenomenal obviously big benefit of having a zip fit liner which if you don't know zip fit liners go for 450 500 plus dollars but they're supposed to last you a thousand ski days right and still feel like they're new i know people that have had them for 15 years and they're still still rolling through they're still running the same liners in a new pair of boots and that that is the investment right there that you're making in an rc4 boot rc4s are already expensive they're like 70 799 or something like that 849 and the 130 flex with the boa you jump up to 1050 when you go to the pro version with the zip fit liner uh it, the fit is incredible. It's heavier. Like, it's the heaviest boot of all of them. But I'm a huge fan. I think for a downhill boot, for a true mountain boot, this is, this is kind of the gold standard. Now, they're not all like this. They're not all the same build. So keep in mind, they do have some cheaper models. But the fit is not the same, and it is not what I'm referencing right now. Though I do think they fit really good, even in the cheaper models. boa at its core helps people with a medium volume or a high volume foot get control of that lower part of their foot right myself in particular i have an extremely high instep i have a really really hard time with buckles when it comes to the lower part of my foot i could never find anything that fits correctly No matter what work I do, it seems like a buckle is either crushing down if I make the boot wide enough for my foot, or I'm barely closing it at all if I leave the boot at the width that it is from stock. Normally ski a 9900 last boot um, with a 103, 104 foot. So, Boa, for me, makes a huge difference in the way that it wraps your foot and it fits around your foot. It is exceptionally comfortable and I actually feel more controlled in it. I enjoy it. You'll see me a lot in that boot next year, even though the 140 in air quotes is probably a little stiff for me, but I really, I, I'm a big fan. Downside to the to the BOA system. So we'll talk about the perceived downside. We'll talk about the actual downside. Perceived downside, everybody thinks it's just gonna get blown up it's just going to break off, the cables are going to fray like they do on snowboard boots, the, like, it's a terrible place to put it, it. why put it there, doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Kind of already addressed why put it there. Medium volume, high volume feet makes a huge difference, fits exceptionally well. I imagine the same will be true when we have some of the lower volume models come out uh, and you see those start to make their way more and more to the mass market. I don't think you're gonna see very many cables fraying off the boots. The cable is like five times as thick as the snow the ones used in snowboard boots. It is much more durable, can hold like the thing looks like it can hold a fucking chairlift. And that to me is a big is a big win. It also has a release mechanism. So if you impact the BOA wheel itself on something, it is supposed to clop right off like it's supposed to just flop off the boot essentially you will lose tension to the boa cables but you just slide the bow wheel back on no boa before has had this release system like this yes obviously there's your pop open pop close tighten righty tighty lefty loosey that kind of situation this is not what i'm talking about i am talking about the fact that the actual wheel comes off of the mounted plate that is on there It also makes replacing the wheel really easy. If you had to just buy a replacement wheel system, which all of that is covered under BOA, it's a lifetime warranty, you're in really good shape. Like it makes, it'll make your life a lot easier if you have to replace something. The ease of changing the cable is also exceptional. It is like changing a derailleur cable. It is not like every shop kid in the world knows how annoying it is to replace a bow wheel on a snowboard boot from rental or whatever. It is just plain garbage. It's not fun. I've done a, a bunch on snowboard boots. I've done a, a ton of my own cycling shoes and it sucks. Here's the actual downside. These things will break. I mean, they, you have a plastic knob, barely rubberized, sticking out of the bottom of your boot. It won't drag on the snow, but you will you will see people in the park you will see people in the woods you will see people in the backcountry for the ones that apply to the backcountry whack these things and them not stay together or them break or them shear it is going to happen do i think it's going to happen that much more than on buckle boots not really I don't think it's as durable as Boa is claiming. I don't think it's as durable as these brands are claiming, but I don't think it's chintzy, right? We've played with it. We've smacked it around. I've skied it a decent amount. No issues. We have hit it with a hammer in a weird direction, pretty hard, and we did crack some of the plastic, but just the plastic, not the wheel function-wise, totally fine. And I won't tell you on what boot that was because it's not fair. The biggest win or the biggest worry, I guess, for me is going to be parts availability. If you break a bow wheel on a Fisher, if you break a bow wheel on a K2, how available are those parts? How available are, especially the retainers for the bow cable itself, like how easy is, how quick is it going to be to get those parts when people do snap them off because keep in mind shops really won't have very many in stock if they have them in stock at all to replace them willy-nilly and the warranty is covered under boa so what now that i don't know i don't have a great answer um for people that think it's fixing a problem that doesn't exist i don't think that's true i think it actually is an extremely beneficial thing to have i think it actually makes a big difference for the end consumer for people with wider feet i think performance wise it is better (sighs) Let's talk about the other three real quick. Atomic has the Hawks, the Hawks Ultra is available or the Prime, whatever one it is, is available in BOA. We have a test version of that boot available um, to us. So Ethan is skiing that boot. He has been really impressed with the fit so far. Once you're in it, he's having a really hard time getting into the boot consistently. I don't know why he usually doesn't have a hard time getting into boots that I've given him to test. These This is a, a unique situation for him, so we'll explore that a little more as we go along. I will say the liner is really nice out of the box. Like It's a really high quality liner. The attention to detail in the Atomic boots is really high. I've, I've been impressed with the Atomic product, especially the boots over the last few years, and I think that is the case across the board. I think most people see the Atomic product and they know it's gonna be to a certain standard. So that's a really good thing. My third boot here, and these are kind of going in ranking of how much I like them, is the Salomon. Salomon has the S-Pro Alpha. That series is available. So it's like the Salomon Supra series, S-Pro, Supra. That we have a test boot in as well. It is exceptionally comfortable. It is so comfortable, almost to the point where it is too comfortable. When I put on the regular alpha, I don't feel like it's the most cushy boot in the world. I don't like it fits well, but I don't feel like it's like I don't feel like it's a bucket. I do worry that this version of the Solomon will be a little too big for people will blow out for people rapidly. I felt like there was a lot of room for me. Like I said, I have a pretty wide, pretty hard foot to fit. I think it skis really well. I think the boot is energetic and I think Solomon has always done a really good job of keeping that S-Pro series in check because it is a really important series of boots for them. I'm interested to see how this boot that I have progresses on day 20, day 25, day 30. See if that boot gets really washed out. Can't really report back yet on that, but I do, it is the most comfortable of the series, of the BOA options that are out right now. I mentioned there was five models. Uh, There is a, K2 has the Mindbender and the Recon series, both with BOA options. The price point is the best. I think they have one starting at like 549 for a BOA boot. So if you want to get in at a medium level, there is, this is the place to go for your BOA boot option. It is the most protected, like it's the most in the boot of all of the Boa boots, so I think the likelihood of it getting smashed is not super high. I don't love the fit. I feel like the toe box is too big. They do send a shim, apparently. I don't have a test one yet to tell you for sure this is the way, that that is the way, but everyone that I have, I I put it on, I've skied one, I just don't have a test in-house like we do with the other three. I've skied one, a couple of my colleagues have skied them. Everybody felt like there was too much room in the toe box. It is too tall, there's a lot of volume and it makes everything else kind of sit weird in the boot. I'm also not a huge fan of the plastic that K2 uses. I think it is really brittle. I think it's, it is really, the funny part is, is it's light and it's energetic and it skis really well generally. Like the Recon series skis really well. I just think you see a lot of breakages on those boots and I have receipts. I I really like what K2 has done with these models. I think the BOA needs some work in terms of the way that it fits everyone's foot. I think if you have a wider foot, you'll be shocked at how well the regular medium volume recon fits. Or a mindbender. I'm I'm optimistic. And there is a shim that goes under the boot board to take up some volume for that toe. Again, I don't have one in in-house to play with, so I don't have the luxury of skiing it with that yet. If something changes, I will I will let you know. But K2 will have those offerings. Mindbender, Anthem series, which is the women's series, and then Mindbender. Or a recon, rather. So there will be full lineups for boa boots in K two. They're fully committed. So where does it go from here? I think you'll start to see companies really double down on boa. You saw Blizzard and Technica not, or sorry, Technica and Nordica and Lang and Debello. The other major brands and boots not give a shit about boa. I think you will see a couple of them start to adopt it in 2025, but I don't think you're gonna see it completely take over the way that it seems on social media. I don't think people are gonna buy into it the way that we all think they are. I think There's gonna be a lot of Boa Boots sitting on shelves in uh, this time next year. So I would urge shops to be somewhat cautious when it comes to buying these things. I think there is a really good home for them, but I'm not sure the consumer is ready to learn all this new information about what the Boa system is like, how it's different, I think people have in their minds what the BOA system has been like for them and their experiences and what their friends have told them. So I'm, I'm a little skeptical on how well these things will do at market. My suggestion for a consumer is try one on. If it fits your foot well, buy it, because I think the fit is really what sells BOA for me. I think the way that it wraps that whole lower shell... Even up until your shin area is pretty unique it does not do that with a buckle we posted a video the fisher one where you can see it closing from the top view and you can see the upper part of the lower shell closing consistently the same way the lower part of the like same way it does over the lower part of the foot so i was really impressed with that so there is a huge fit benefit if you're a traditionalist, you want to stick with buckle, there's always going to be buckle options for you. In fact, Fisher makes that RC4 in a boa and a non-boa version. So that's kind of where my head is at with boa stuff. I think going forward, you will see double boas. I know for a fact you're going to see double boas. That is going to be a thing for alpine boots, probably in touring boots as well. Once they can get it figured out about like placement, how it's going to fit, how you can get a good ankle lockdown. I'm curious to see because people's the amount of pressure that people usually put on their t- their top buckle in the second from the top changes. like That's pretty inconsistent between the two buckles. Curious to see how it feels with a BOA option replacing both of those buckles. We're a couple years out from that at least, so I wouldn't stress that too, too much right now. I'm also curious to see how well and how easy it is to get in those boots. That'll be my biggest test i think is if they can make it easy to get into i actually really like boa stuff i just think it's cool i'm like i'm a gear nerd i also don't have the same like many of you are buying a boot keeping it for 10 years plus that is not me i at some point in my life would like it to be me but it is not right now ski far too much new product i don't beat the stuff up the same way i used to or that many of you are because i'm just skiing on too much different product it doesn't take the same abuse. So, for me, a bow option is really nice. And I think the benefits are there for the end consumer as well. I would just make sure it fits you. You know, don't just go buy a bow boot because everybody's talking about it. And shops don't just go buy a million because it seems like everybody on the internet is talking about it. They care. I don't know how much they care. So. Uh, we have more gear stuff coming out. There'll be a ton coming on YouTube uh, over the next few weeks, including a review of the Elon Playmaker that has just dropped. So you can go watch that in video form. You can also watch another, there's a bunch of different reviews come out, coming out. So keep an eye out for those going forward. Also be sure to keep an eye out. Uh, this fall gear guide, second gear guide rendition It's gonna be great. It's gonna be bigger than it was before. Uh, If you would like a copy of the old gear guide, shoot me an email. I will just send you one for free. We have some extras to send to people if you would like one from last year. There is some awesome artwork in it. There is some really great writing uh, in that as well. For sure, get your hands on a copy. If you would like, just shoot me an email, adam at outofpodcast.com, and I will get you hooked up. And that's it. That's it for today's show. Hope everybody enjoyed listening about gear. If you have gear questions, please hit me up. I'm happy to talk gear at any point. You can hit me up at the same email or just slide in the Instagram DMs, hit me on Twitter at Out of Collective, uh, and obviously on the YouTube as well. We are always available. So for now, talk to you later.